like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. What's up, everyone? This is not Derek Johnson, just like it has been all week long. This is Lane Gillespie. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Derek, still in Germany, as far as I know. You know, maybe he's lying to us all, but... No, I doubt it. He's he's having a swelled time in Germany. You know, if you could check out his social media, you know he's having a great time. Speaking of great, we got a good show coming up for you today. Today is the NBA draft later tonight at about 6 o'clock local time. And Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, the two that are projected to be drafted, two other Jayhawks in contention but are not projected to be drafted, Remy Martin, David McCormick. But we had the draft profile for... Three out of the four, the fourth one being Ochai Abaji, we will get to today. Still got some best of RCST trivia for you later on, but just about the entire show is going to be about the NBA draft. At about the top of the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about what could possibly be the best fit for Ochai and Christian, the two projected to be drafted today, and then we'll get over the more general storylines at about 5.30. First things first, let's talk about Ochai Abaji. A guy who was supposed to redshirt his freshman year. And then about halfway through the season, the redshirt was burnt. And he showed out early and often. And he has quickly turned into, or he did quickly turn into, possibly one of the most decorated Jayhawks in Kansas basketball history. Multiple-time Big 12 Player of the Week honors. He was the Final Four Most Outstanding Player, Final Four All-Tournament Team, Consensus All-American, Wooden Award finalist. Uh, man alive, he was he was a he was a he was a wonder to behold. The Kansas City native from Oak Park High School, 6'5", 215, stayed with Kansas all four years. Did uh, declare for the draft after his junior season. Decided to come back, and that was probably the best decision that he could have possibly made. And like I started off saying, he he redshirted his freshman year. You know, there was a lot of talent to come around, but due to injury and uh, some other stuff going on, and basically Kansas was kind of falling off of, you know, where they were supposed to be. You know, the expectations, they were well under the expectations, I should say. So in January, Ochai and Coach Self agreed to burn his redshirt. The first game that he played was January 9th, 2019. And in the first 20 seconds he was in the game, he got an alley-oop dunk. And that just shows to the true genius that Bill Self has. You know, Ochai, his first ever college game, comes in a Big 12 game at home, and he gets him going early. And they get a, I wouldn't say it was half-court alley-oop, but it was definitely about 30 feet out, lobbed it to him. He was open, went uh, in for a big dunk. And uh, he... He did a pretty good, he had a pretty good season. You know, nothing really 
nothing really too special um, in the 22 games that he played, starting in 16 of them. Uh, he did finish with just about eight and a half points a game that year, but shooting numbers definitely could have been a lot better, 30% from behind the arc, but 45% overall. That's not bad. Um, but again, you know, he kind of had to be thrown into the weeds very early just because of the injuries and everything. And, you know, they wanted to give him time to develop uh, because he was such an athletic guy and he could be, and they, they thought that he was going to be this really good guy, you know, had he started to develop and everything, but burning his red shirt, which honestly was a pretty good decision because I honestly think KU probably would have not been, they probably would have been worse than the four seed that they got that season in 2019, which, yeah, kind of, I wouldn't say a year to forget, but definitely not the greatest year for Kansas basketball that season. But Ochai did get his start, and you got to start somewhere, and that's where he that's where he went. And then his sophomore year is when he started to become the everyday starter and performed a lot better. And again, the, like he wasn't the guy to go to, as I mentioned with the guys who I talked about, Christian Brown and David McCormick over the past couple of days. He wasn't the number one guy because they had Devon Dotson and Udoka Azubuki. But Ochai was that piece of the puzzle that made KU so great in 2020 which unfortunately, like I said, they could have won the national championship. There was just no tournament because of COVID. Uh, but he was that pivotal piece of the puzzle. Try saying that five times fast. 34% from behind the arc, 43% shooting overall, about 10 points a game for Ochai. And oh, and uh, everywhere else he did, he did pretty decent. Rebounding did pretty well. Uh, in the assist column, uh, tied his career high in assists for the season, six point, uh, 62, which that's about two assists a game, which is nothing big, but he... He was able. To, he was able to deliver time and again. Um, and then he kind of he went. He didn't really become the head guy his junior year, but he became another piece of the puzzle to for a team that struggled a little bit in the middle of the season, and then got hot later on. Fourteen points a game for Ochai his junior year in twenty twenty one, but you could really start to see his stock rise, and he was starting to get better and better and better. Because that year he shot thirty seven percent from three. Um. And had 14 points a game. So we saw the potential. We saw it. But he was he was kind of a leader, but not the leader, if you know what I'm saying. And he was projected to be a late second round draft pick. Thought he could test the waters a little bit. And decided to come back. Which was, without a doubt, a great decision for, on Ochai's part. And we knew that he would have an amazing season, and we knew that he would be the guy to look for quite possibly. Well, we didn't know if it was going to be Ochai or it was going to be Remy Martin uh, because Remy Martin was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Um, but Ochai quickly became the number one guy. So he had 29 points against Michigan State, 25 against Tarleton State, 25 against Stony Brook, 21 against Dayton in their, in their loss. So quickly, he started not only averaging double figures, but for the first half of the season, he averaged 20 points a game and was one of the best shooters in the country, one of the best scorers in the country, and for a while was the best scorer in the Big 12. Uh, he ended up, yeah, he went down a little bit, but also the playmaking from everybody else really chimed in, and he finished just a tad under 19 points per contest, which is pretty darn good. And his career high came this year. Of course, it helps when you play 46 minutes in a game because that was the double overtime win against Texas Tech where he hit had 37 points, 7 for 12 from behind the arc, and oh, he made that tough game-tying three, by the way. Um, 
So he was the leader to go to, and he made clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot. And he was basically not only just a leader, but he showed what he can bring to an NBA team and showed why KU was so darn good and why KU won the national championship. Take in mind the Final Four game. He, he struggled a little bit in the NCAA tournament early on. He only had five points against Providence. But Villanova, against Villanova, 21 points, six for seven from behind the arc. So he was, he was a bit streaky, but, he was, but when he was good, he was really good. He was really on. Um, you know, in the Texas Tech game, he made seven threes, like I mentioned. Uh, like I said, it helps that you play in two overtimes. But uh, he was he was the leader, and he was not only was he the leader, he was the guy at, that you know didn't let all the big moments really go to his head. Look back to the game tying shot that he had against Texas Tech. He made the shot, went down, uh, went back, got on defense. Um, all the bench when the uh, first overtime ended, they went up to him, ran up to him, tried to give him a hug, tried to high five him. He's, it looks like he's giving high fives. What he's legitimately doing is pushing everybody's hands away, saying the job's not done yet. We got to win. We got to win the game. The job's not done yet. And he was, he was dead focused. You don't see that that often because you just, you, when somebody makes a shot that big, you'll see them celebrate. And yeah, they should like take Mario's shot. For example, he was the guy. Yeah, he made the shot, but he stayed calm and collected, got back on defense, disrupted the half-court shot. Then he celebrated with the bench. He celebrated, said, let's go. We got to win this thing. He wasn't the guy that was, like, focused, but he was still, like, celebrating a little bit. But at at that point, honestly, KU knew that they were going to win. Every fan knew. And, you know, you look back at all the interviews, the bench, set, the bench was saying when it was tied and they were going to overtime, they said it was over. They knew they were going to win, which they did. Um, but Ochai, he was that and then some. Because he was the guy that was dead focused on winning and helped out in any way they could. The 37-point game against Texas Tech, like I mentioned, but 29 against K-State. The game where KU was down by 15 at the half, or was it 16? 16 at some point at the half. 29 points, hit the go-ahead shot with about 10 seconds left. It was a runner in the paint which honestly shouldn't have even happened because he hit that three, but they waved it off even though he was clearly fouled on the shot. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but it did kind of put him in that prime position to get that shot, and everybody looked to him. He found a lane, drove inside, got the runner, and put it in easily. And that proceeded for KU to win. I will say um, one downfall that he had at points, definitely in the big games were his free throw shooting. If you look at the numbers, it was the best that he did in his career, shot 74%. I mean, you look back on the years before, he shot under 70%. I mean, his sophomore year, he shot 67%. 74% his senior year, but that's still not great numbers. If you're a great shooter, you want to be in the mid-upper 80s or something like that, but for a guy to be a 41% three-point shooter but 74% free throw shooter, that doesn't correlate well. 74% is a high number, but not as high as you would like to like it to be if you are a good shooter. And he was streaky sometimes. But the playmaking ability that he had, the ability to catch and shoot off of threes, the ability to pretty much drop his own plays, make a big shot here, there, and everywhere, 
really made him something special. Became the Big 12 Player of the Year, which I mentioned on Monday. It was a great little trivia piece that uh, second time ever in the Big 12 that the preseason Player of the Year and the uh, postseason Big 12 Player of the Year, like the one that won Big 12 Player of the Year, were different players on the same team. Um, and Ochai really just fit into the mold of being a leader and being a very decorated Jayhawk, without a doubt one of the best decorated Jayhawks in history. Uh, taking a look at his uh, NBA scouting report, lists him as 6'6", 215, shooting guard. Uh, athleticism ranks at a 9, but his lowest ranks, that's 9 out of 10. The lowest ranks are 7 out of 10, that being ball handling, potential, passing intangibles, and leadership. Eight on quickness, eight on size, eight on defense, eight on strength. I mean, we got we also got to talk about the way that he could finish inside, made tough layup after tough layup, and all the dunks he had. I knew he was going to get his because he reminded me of a Wayne Seldon, and I always thought when Wayne Seldon played, he tried to get poster dunk after poster dunk, and I'm thinking, man, he's going to get his. And what, a, and, and what a coincidence how Ochai was that guy as well, and both Wayne and Ochai got theirs in the NCAA tournament with Wayne getting his against Baylor, that big-time poster dunk. But right now, what, what Ochai is kind of listed as, um, uh, this says his scouting report. Uh, this is by NBADraft.net. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find who wrote this specifically. Um, I can't find it. But NBA, uh, Jorie Dixon, or Nixon, my bad. Jorie Nixon wrote this on March 7th, by the way. So this was a little bit before the, um, the draft combine, which... He didn't. Uh, he he did the workouts, but he didn't play in the draft combine scrimmages just because he didn't want to get hurt. I don't blame him. Anyway, they were saying you know he did a big favor by coming back and being in the 2022 draft class. Uh, his measurables, athletic testing, were strong as expected, but last season or uh, the last uh, 2021 draft didn't perform as well as he'd like to in drills and scrimmages. Decided to go back to Cade to improve his stock. Now as a four-year starter. Ochai, or it says Obaji, but it says it has it with an O to start off instead of an A, which is a red flag. Um, he had a breakthrough senior season that will undoubtedly had him in the running for National Player of the Year. He was. He was a Wooden Award finalist. The award went to Oscar Shibwe. Um, next in line, talented Kansas wings that will play at the NBA level. Clear strengths that will allow him to stick for many years. Fits into the mold of a Trevor Ariza or a Mikhail Bridges. I think those are two pretty good um, comparisons. They're, they both had their strides. Um, I mean, Mikhail still is. Ariza plays here and there, but I, I, I think he's past his prime. But when he was at his prime, he was a pretty darn good shooter, pretty darn good finisher. Ariza's a little bit taller than Ochai because I think Ariza's about 6'8". Bridges is 6'5", though. And uh, Mikhail Bridges is doing an amazing job in the NBA. So Ochai listed at 6'6", 215, pretty good size on him, pretty good strength, a 42-inch vertical a season ago, so it probably has gone a little bit higher since then. But 42 is nothing to sneeze at. 42 is incredible. I believe it was Andrew Wiggins who had like a 45-inch vertical in his combine. Um, a guy who grew in front of our eyes, increased the scoring exponentially from 8.5 to almost 19 points a game, one of the more decorated Jayhawks in NBA history. And without a doubt is uh, admired and loved at least a lot more because he's a champion uh, by the Jayhawk community. Right now, his mock draft lists at 14 overall, which would be to the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
I'll talk a little bit more later. It will be at the top of the 4 o'clock hour about where both Ochai and Chris fit really well, Cleveland being one of them for Ochai. I'll get a little bit more in-depth with that in a, in a bit. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is Lane Gillespie. On the other end of this break, we're going to have the best of RCST trivia for you. Don't go away. On FM 1017-1320-KLWN, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Depend on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, top of the 4 o'clock hour here on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Got some more NBA draft talk for all of you. I had the Ochai Abaji NBA draft profile earlier today. We're going to expand a little bit on that. Mainly just what are going to be the best fits for Ochai and also for Christian. But before we do that, uh, Bill Self, about a couple of weeks ago, talked to the media about Christian and Ochai in the NBA draft and what they can bring to the table. So, here's Bill Self on that. The CB's put him in his position to be in the latter part of the first round, and I think that's very realistic. And Ochai in the latter part of the lottery, I think that's very realistic. So, yeah, it, 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 would, it would be great to see them their names called in those positions, but those, those those names called in those positions aren't as important as them getting to a place where there's actually a fit in, in where they can actually, uh, 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 you know, develop and show show what they can do. So, uh, I've never been over excited on a, you know, T. Rob and Ben, you know, excited because they went six and seven, and then then they went to places that it just didn't work out, you know. So, and it's not a fault of the place, sometimes just a fault of fit. Uh, so. You know, you'd like to see, we, we talked about this today, Desmond Bain, great college player. He gets into a situation where perimeter shooting is needed and all that stuff, and now he's averaging 18 and a half a game, and, and he, there's no going back. Uh, uh, so, so, you know, it'd be nice to have those guys be in a situation that over time, if they can develop, that they will have some opportunities like that. Do you, do you have guys calling you on, on Christian maybe more than Ochai, or uh, about the same on both? I, I would say... Uh, uh, I would say more on Christian mm -hmm. because Christian's range is bigger, sure. where Ocha's range is more narrow. It, it would be like, you know, uh, I just hung up with the general manager that's, going, that's picking in the top three, and their focus is not, not Ocha Ibozi. Their focus is, is, you know, Chet, Paulo, or Jabari. I mean, that's if you're picking the top three, that's your focus. So, so there, there's no reason to be focused in, in you know. Uh, uh, so, so those guys that are picked picked a little later, you know, if Ochai could be between nine and eighteen, or CB could be between twenty and thirty-three, you know, or, or thirty-four, what? Then, then there's more people. So you have more people calling you uh, in, in that regard. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> what can they bring a team next season? Uh, both those two. Yeah. Well, I mean, they'll they'll bring a winning attitude and. A, and, and a winning and, and add to their culture in a positive way. There's no doubts about that, and I don't think there's any NBA 
person that's talked to either one of them would say anything different than that. Yeah, a pretty good summary by Bill Self. Basically what Ochai and Christian can both bring to the table for an NBA team next week. And, you know, like, like he was talking about, you know, he was talking to some of the NBA GMs just about Ochai and Christian and, you know, got off the phone with one of the top three. And we'll discuss more about this later, but obviously the top three are going to be focused on Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro. I'll have more, uh, more about that towards the top of the five o'clock hour. But this is more on Ochai and Christian. Basically, I, I did a little bit of research over the past couple of days to see what would be a good fit. Not only what a good fit, but what the teams need regarding how well Ochai and Christian can do with those teams. So first of all, let's go ahead and go with Ochai. Currently, and the, I say currently, but it's been like this for the past couple of months. Um, they have Ochai Abaji as the very last lottery pick, that being the 14th overall pick right now going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that would be a pretty good fit because they need a lot of wing talent uh, in Cleveland to uh, try their best to succeed because they, they've had issues definitely in recent years, especially just going to the playoffs. Uh, there was even an article by a news source in Cleveland believing that he would be a good fit right away. They describe him as a plug-and-play 3-and-D wing whose experience can go around the developmental curve. And what that means is basically all of the uh, everything that he went through in the four years at KU. Uh, where you know eventually going on going through all the adversity not making it past the second round and all through and um the three years that he was there of course the second one was not even a postseason but and then in the final year being that leader being that guy moving forward and leading the team to a national title that experience can kind of I wouldn't okay I wouldn't say it would go around the developmental curve because what that kind of implies to me is that it can get away from that curve that he needs to develop into a star NBA player. But what that can do, honestly, to me, is accelerate the developmental curve, make them develop faster than than normal, just because of that leadership qualities and how he was able to lead a team to a national title. Now, there's this one website that I found by Kevin O'Connor um, that gives a great fit to him. A great fit for him would actually be the Philadelphia 76ers. And the reason because of that is because James Harden might be a free agent for Philadelphia and Philadelphia doesn't want to pay James a supermax contract to get him to stay. So they need to find someone who can try to fit that role of a great wing presence that can shoot, drive the ball and defend well, especially in the perimeter. The problem is that the Sixers don't have a pick until the 23rd overall pick. So I, I and I think they would be extremely lucky if Ochai fell that far. Except I, I just don't think that Ochai is going to fall that far. So if they want Ochai or any great shooting guard for that manner, because I don't, I don't think Ochai is the number one shooting guard. I think Jeremy Sohan is. Um, but if they want him or even Sohan, um, they're going to have to trade up because they'll be lucky to get that great pick unless they trade up. Now I'm not saying like a 23rd overall pick is not going to be a good pick, but you have that higher chance of getting. A terrific pick if you trade yourself up and then looking I, I also scrolled through um, all of the possible teams of what they all need the Denver Nuggets who hey for those in Kansas if you if you need an NBA team to root for because the two closest teams are Oklahoma City and Denver you know he could be a great fit there the problem is you know Denver not quite an early draft pick that they have um, at least I don't think I, I honestly I don't even know if they have a pick this year I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take a second look so I, I was trying to do some extensive research and I forgot to write it down. I don't even I don't even think Denver has a pick unless they trade in because we saw the Lakers just trade in about a couple hours ago to finally get a pick today because before a couple hours ago, they didn't even have a pick. 
So that's basically basically if if a team needs Ochai or what Ochai can bring to a team, I guess is what I'm trying to say, is he can bring great shooting, driving in the paint, fearless driving without being out of control, while at the same time being a great perimeter defender. And obviously, it's going to be tough to fit into that role very early on and be one of the more successful NBA players because it takes time, it takes development. Obviously, we'd have to see how he would fare against the top NBA prospects in the summer league, um, wherever he gets drafted. But right now, they have him 14th overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which would, pre- which would be a pretty decent get for him. Moving on to Christian Brown. Uh, the same website that I found with Ochai Baji uh, moving to Kevin O'Connor. So right now, what they have Christian Brown listed as, as the 30th overall pick, that being the final uh, pick in the first round. And I'm going to have to take a look and see. I totally forgot what team that was. But um, they had, or what Kevin O'Connor put in his website, which is one of our top websites when it comes to the NBA draft. What they had was the best fit for Christian being with the Los Angeles Lakers. And the reason for that is because, well, the Lakers got, they have some improving to do, and they're going to have a wild offseason with many possible trade scenarios, including the opportunity of getting Kyrie Irving via trade and possibly trading away Russell Westbrook. Right now, uh, the 30th overall pick, which is where Christian Brown is projected, uh, that would be to the Denver Nuggets because they have him as a plug-and-play wing who can bring lockdown defense, passing ability, excellent rebounding, 38% career three-point shooter, and then also winning a national title. But, um, you know, a lot of times we see those kind of picks and then they fall off, and then other times we also see them get picked ahead too. So it mainly just depends on the team needs. And, you know, there, there are some teams that only draft – for what the best available player is. However, there are, there are a few that draft just based on team needs. Personally, in my opinion, I think teams should draft the best player there is. Because on it, let's take Philadelphia, for instance. Let's say by some miracle, by some miracle trade-up, they get the number two overall pick and get Chet Holmgren. You know, the the thing is just that, you know, oh, they they probably wouldn't even they probably wouldn't even play him that much because of Joel Embiid. Right. Well, if Holmgren became that guy, you could possibly uh, pair Embiid and Holmgren together. There's nobody saying you can't. Um, So that's just mainly what it boils down to, because you can, you know, people are smart. They're well, some people. Um, But, you know, in the NBA, there's a lot of there's a lot of really bright minds in scouting, in coaching, in uh, well, there's some that are owners and GMs. There are some that are not. But I digress. You know, there are some smart minds. And you can kind of fit whoever into any role. It's just what basically what I'm trying to get at. And no matter if you draft the best player that there is or what your team needs are. But I think every team just needs to draft the best player possible. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. So like I said, Christian Brown, right now this says that um, the Lakers are probably the best fit for Christian Brown. Originally didn't have a pick, traded with the Magic a few hours ago to grab the 35th overall pick in exchange for a future second round pick plus some cash considerations. And like I said, you know, the Lakers are going to have to try to find some ground. 
uh, with their organization because their offseason is going to be hectic uh, with all the possible trade scenarios. Because, like I said, Kyrie Irving, um, and I mentioned this, oh, what segment was it? It was Case of the Mondays uh, that I talked about the Brooklyn Nets and how basically um, Kyrie was having some contract issues. And it's possible that he could get traded because he has he's not going to be a free agent. He has one he has one year left on his contract. Uh, Kyrie does. And it's possible that he could get traded and the Lakers are the top option. And uh, honestly, it's probably because of LeBron just to bring back the Kyrie and LeBron duo that they had in Cleveland a few years ago. And then that will also possibly trade away Russell Westbrook. And, and um, basic, basically, there are a lot of possible scenarios going on, and a lot of people on social media are trying to figure every possible scenario that could happen. But another team that could really work out for Christian would be the Miami Heat. Now, the problem is um, they don't have a first-round pick, or they do. They have the 27th overall pick. So, honestly, they could draft, um, they could draft Christian. Another team that I honestly think could, the 28th pick, could be the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they just won a, they just won a title with... Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and uh, Andrew Wiggins, but I think any uh, if you could grab another wing guy that can that can prove to be a monster on defense and overall do pretty well on offense, I th- I think that could help. You know, the Warriors would be a would not be a bad team for Christian because I know yeah the Warriors are coming off of a title, but nobody predicted that they would win a title until like the middle of the playoffs. Um, that that's just the thing. That's just the thing. Um, and they're they're going to have some offseason movements um, here and there because not because they want to yeah they just want a title it's their fourth in the last eight years but they want to continue that trend while at the same time time do it comfortably instead of being the underdog is basically what I am trying to say so I think the Warriors could also be a uh, good fit for Christian Brown but it'll have to just kind of depend now when it comes to Remy Martin and David McCormick they are both able to be drafted they're eligible. Like, they're in the NBA draft. They're not projected to be drafted, and nobody's projecting them to. But very, very, or I should say extremely liking, a, a likely, a team is going to come calling, sign them, uh, have them play in the summer league, and see if they can prove themselves to get on an NBA roster. So when it comes to them, there are a few options when it comes to team needs, and it doesn't help. Most teams are only going to be drafting for the best player rather than their team needs, which is a good philosophy in my opinion. Um, and like I said, Remy, David, highly unlikely to be drafted. So basically what it, what it just means for them and what it means for any team, they just need to find a team that comes calling and they just have to show out in the summer league going against the top, uh, NBA prospects and maybe perform the best of their ability and, uh, come out on top. You know, it happens a lot to second round draft. I mean, look at uh, 2018 and Svima Kailuk. He was probably, he probably could have been the MVP of the freaking summer league. He was a second round draft pick. And the reason because of that, he he showed off everything that he had in his forte. And everybody at KU knew that he was capable of it. All the shooting, all of the uh, driving in the paint and finishing uh, with strength. Everybody at KU knew it. Not everybody in the country knew it. You just have to show it in the summer. And basically, that's where a lot of that talent can come from. Because there are going to be some names who aren't drafted that are going to be pretty decent. So I, I think that's just the thing with the NBA draft. And we heard Bill Self talk about it early on, is that just because you drafted in a good spot doesn't mean you're going to be a great player. And we unfortunately saw that with a few players. And he brought to mind uh, Ben McLemore and Thomas Robinson, both going to the Sacramento Kings. The problem isn't the players or the teams. The problem is the fit, is, is how well they can fit on the team. And I know that also ties in a little bit to the team needs because they also want, you know, those who draft the players also want 
them to do their best to help that team. But, you know, sometimes it just goes down to can they fit well in the city? Can they fit well with the team? Unfor- and like I said, unfortunately, we mostly just saw that with uh, Thomas Robinson. I mentioned this the other day. And I felt bad for him because a guy who was a National Player of the Year candidate went to the – he was the number five overall pick, had an, had an amazing story. Um, he, he just didn't perform as well as we all would have hoped in the NBA. He had some great games here and there. He had a few highlights here and there that are still being played to this day. It's just, you know, it, he just couldn't fit in well with the teams he played for, that being – off the top of my head, the teams that I can think of being Sacramento, the Lakers, and the uh, Trailblazers. And I know he probably played for a couple of others that just I, that I can't think of off the top of my head. So That's why I kind of put this whole, could these teams be a great fit together? And it mainly just comes down to team needs and what they can bring to these teams. I personally think, a lot of people think, everybody, not only just with KU, but everybody drafted can fit in well with a lot of teams. Anybody drafted can fit in in most places. It's just how the NBA operates. You know, are you a good player? Show up, show out, boom. You're a good player. You're going to get a lot of recognition. You're going to get a lot of sponsorships. You're going to get a lot of money, stuff like that, and see if you can continue it on a consistent basis. And we see that sometimes some number one overall picks. You see that from guys who are undrafted or the very last pick in the NBA draft. You don't have to be a top 10 pick to be an NBA star. Kobe Bryant was not a top 10 pick. Giannis Antetokounmpo was not a top 10 pick. So it mainly just depends on can they fit well. Because Kobe and Giannis eventually did fit in well. They put in the work, put in the effort, and they fit in well, became NBA legends. So that's basically just what it boils down to is fit. And we're hoping with Ochai and Christian being drafted tonight uh, that they can be a pretty good fit. And another thing, uh, we'll try our, I, I think we'll be able to have some. We'll have uh, Bill Self is going to meet with the media tonight uh, after the NBA draft. So I think what we'll, uh, we're going to try to get some audio for that. And I'm sure you know we'll ask about uh, will the uh, will Ochai and Christian be a great fit for whatever uh, team drafts them. This is Lane Gillespie. We're going to have some more best of our CSC trivia on the other end of this break. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of our CST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Back for another top 10 list as I'm away enjoying my vacation. Hello, future Derek. Hello, future RCST audience. The top 10 list we're going to get to in this edition is the top 10 best individual performances for KU in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Before we get into the list, I did want to make mention of some honorable mentions um, David McCormick against Miami, 15 points, goes six of seven, huge start to the second half. He only played 18 minutes though. I only had a, a, you know, like three or four rebounds. So, um, maybe hard getting him on the list over a couple other guys, Jalen Wilson in the title game ties for the team lead of 15 points. Dewan Harris statistically didn't have something that put you on the top 10 list in the title game, but he had the impact that 
would at least deserve some uh, honorable mention here. Um, man, so many great performances. Uh, you could probably add in, you know, uh, Ochag Baji in the title game. Uh, it wasn't like an unbelievable performance, but at least honorable mention there. But with that said, let's get into the top 10. Number 10. The 10th best individual NCAA tournament performance by KU player this past NCAA tournament. Christian Brown against Creighton. Went for 13 points. He was 5 of 9 from the field, so he's efficient. Had 8 rebounds, 4 assists. It, it maybe gets lost in the cause a little bit because you think of that game being the Remy Martin game or you think of uh, just kind of the big plays late, whether it was the David McCormick block or the Ochag Baji steal and dunk, Jalen Wilson grabbing the rebound off the missed free throw and everything. But Christian was, was really solid that entire game. Had some big transition buckets, really good rebounder in the game, and he helped KU... Um, kind of convert a, a lot of those transition opportunities that helped them stay in front despite the barrage of threes that Creighton was putting on. He just had a, a really solid overall game. There's some other good contenders for number 10, but uh, when you match the, the kind of total stats there and the efficiency, Christian Brown there against Creighton in at number 10. Number nine. Ninth best performance, also Christian Brown, this time in the title game against North Carolina. Not an ultra-efficient game. It wasn't a poor-efficient, poor or Bad efficient guy. I don't know how I would say that. Uh, 12 points. More shots than points. You never love to see that, which is why I say that. But still, 6 of 14. That's not like that's still a solid percentage. Um, but when you just look at what he did in the second half, it becomes even more impressive. And the other thing he did, he had 12 rebounds, which was huge. He also had three assists in the game against North Carolina. So 12 and 12, three assists. Uh, he was obviously a, as big as anyone starting the second half for KU to give them that momentum. And that goes into it as well for KU. They obviously don't win the title with that. I mean, with as close of a title game as it was, you could say that about anyone who played and, and say, yeah, they don't win the title without him because it was such a small margin. But it's especially true with how important he was to start that second half and really get the momentum on KU's side, which is why it's in, in number nine. Number eight. Number eight. Jalen Wilson against Providence. Kind of the same thing as Christian. Not an ultra-efficient game from Jalen in that win against Providence. You're talking about as many shots as you had points there. But again, you put up uh, big numbers with a double-double. One less rebound than Christian had in the title game. Four more points. And yes, you could say Christian's came in the title game, so it should be a better performance. But I would just say this, but because of the Providence game, there were even less players for KU who were kind of going off, who were clicking offensively. Even though, again, it wasn't ultra-efficient for Jalen, not really anyone in that game was efficient for either team. So, I mean, it's a couple players, which makes what he did and, and just grinding to get those points in a defensive battle even more important for KU to sneak by a close game in the Sweet 16 to even allow them to continue their tournament run and eventually get to the title game. Jalen was huge in that game. The play that always will stick out is the big and one kind of spin into Horkler he had that gave them back the lead after Providence had just gone in front. Number seven. Seventh best individual performance of the 2022 tournament ride for KU. Ochag Baji against Miami. Talk about efficiency here. 18 points. He went eight of 12 from the field, two of two from downtown. He had five rebounds. He had four assists, four steals. So he filled up the stat sheet. He was ultra efficient. He was huge in the second half. For KU, I think 12 of those 18 came in the second half when KU really put the onslaught on Miami. Had that big play where Jalen Wilson saves it in bounds, kicks it to him to the corner. He knocks down the triple. Ochai was great in that Miami game. 
number six. Six best individual performance. Uh, Remy Martin, haven't had said his name yet here on this one. Uh, Remy Martin against North Carolina. Um, I don't know. Honestly, you could you could argue this could be higher on the list. And now that I'm putting it here, I'm kind of wondering if I should have put it higher. He had 14 points on five of nine shooting. He had three rebounds against North Carolina. So the, the reason that it's six and not in the top five is some of the other ones I'm going to mention, it's just the pure stats are just better, like more total points or maybe slightly better efficiency or more other stats to fill it out than just three rebounds. But in terms of importance, I mean, think about the shots that Remy Martin made to earn those 14 points. So he banks in a three in the first half. Honestly, didn't really look totally right in the first half. Second half was unbelievable. He hits the uh, the two corner threes. He hits the step back three at the right wing over Armando Baycott. He hits the insanely tough kind of left-handed layup over Armando Baycott. Um, could be higher in terms of importance, but if we're just basing it off, you know, the stats and, and that type of individual performance, I think number six, I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself back into that it was the right spot. Let's get into the top five. Number five. So, again, if we're saying Remy should be in the top five there, um, it would have to, first of all, clear this one. Ochag Baji against Villanova. And that's where you run into issues because Ochai, um had 21 points on eight shots that is stupid efficiency he only had two rebounds and one block so he didn't fill up the statue but again he was six of seven from three 21 points on eight shots that's remarkable against Villanova and it was an onslaught early because of Ochai they end up pulling away late and blow him out um who knows how that game goes if Ochai doesn't have that start though right is it is it kind of a, a close game and then when Villanova makes their run instead of getting it down to five or, or six or whatever it was all of a sudden are they leading by a couple points you know how does that go but Ochai was just on another level of professional shot making in that game against Villanova number four fourth best individual performance Remy Martin against Creighton so again like this is this is tough to compare because you could say well, with the importance of the title game the Remy Martin one against North Carolina should be ahead of the one against Creighton but the one against Creighton, he had six more points. He had 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting. Um, so it's about the same field goal percentage, too, between the two. But he had more other stats as well against Creighton. Instead of three rebounds against North Carolina, he had seven. Um, he had four assists against Creighton as well. He did everything for KU, 27-4 and four off the bench. And, like, I, I, I mean, again, you could argue the North Carolina one because of the big moments in the second half. But I guess I would counter with this for why the Remy Martin one is number four. If Remy Martin isn't playing in that Creighton game, or if Remy Martin just has like a you know six-point game or something off the bench, KU's probably going home in the second round to Creighton. So they don't even get to the title game at that point. So I guess that's why that is number four on the uh, individual performances. He was so good in that game. He was the best player for KU in that Creighton game. Number three. Third best individual performance. Also, Remy Martin. This time against Providence. So, same kind of argument there. You could say if, if Remy Martin didn't have this performance, then they just go home in the Sweet 16 before they get to another round. He had his uh, NCAA tournament high of 23 points. He went 7 of 14 shooting, so the same he did against Creighton, but three more points because of free throws. He also had seven rebounds. He had three assists. And that Providence game, unlike the Creighton game, was more of a defensive battle, like we mentioned with Jalen Wilson. So, being able to score in that game was even of more importance, even uh, tougher to come out with. And 
the big difference between the Providence game and the Creighton game, like the Creighton game, it, it was mostly about the first half. I think Remy had 14 of his 20 in the first half against Creighton. Against Providence, it was a little bit more spread out between the two halves. And also in the Providence game, he made a huge defensive play. He took that charge. Providence was up one with the ball about to run out in transition. Um, had all the momentum. Remy Martin takes a charge. Then KU goes down and, and takes back the lead. That was a huge performance for him. Remy Martin all over this list. Number two. Number two is David McCormick against North Carolina. Might have thought that would have been the number one when you hit those two big shots at the end there. Had 15 points, 10 rebounds. Unbelievable in that game down the stretch. Probably should have won Final Four MOP. But the only reason it's not number one is because the number one... Number one. Is... Also David McCormick, but against Villanova. Um, it's hard to argue... If you're just looking at individual performance, the Villanova one wasn't even more impressive than the North Carolina one. For the North Carolina one, um, and, and this wasn't just about Dave, but KU did get kind of worked on the glass, especially in the first half. That was partially because of Dave. So, again, like he still ended up with the last laugh, had an unbelievable game. But if you're just trying to distinguish between one and two, you do have that slight negative against you. Whereas the number one against Villanova, he also went for 25 points, so 10 more points. He had nine rebounds, and the efficiency was remarkable. 10 of 12, he was hitting hook shot after hook shot. Uh, he was making some tough where he was getting bumped kind of up and down. He has that incredible dunk over Jermaine Samuels. Dave McCormick against Villanova, that was the best individual in CAA tournament performance for a KU player this year. That is our uh, latest top 10 list. Back to you guys or commercial. This is RCST. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Talk. That's Talk all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Shock Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. You About 20 past the 5 o'clock hour. This is Lane Gillespie with Rock Shock Sports Talks. Derek Johnson still in Europe, in Germany, more specifically for the rest of this week and for the next. And then the first week of July, we'll finally be back. So. A couple of things before we dive into this next uh, segment. First of all, the College World Series finals are now, well, we now know the teams that are going to be fighting for the College World Series title. Yesterday, Oklahoma Sooners won and were the first team to get into the College World Series finals. And just a few moments ago, Ole Miss defeating Arkansas 2-0 to advance to the College World Series finals. First ga uh, game one is this Saturday. And next week, when the College World Series comes to a close, we'll, of course, be covering that for quite a bit. Secondly, uh, because I've been totally forgetting on sh uh, about sharing this, um, and I 
assume a lot of you already know, today is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. So that is also something to celebrate here today. Going to go a little bit deeper into the NBA draft, but we're going to move on from sort of the spectrum of the KU players uh, able to be drafted into the NBA and just go more into the storylines to follow, or just at least a few of them, uh, as we go uh, into the NBA draft, which will start in about an hour and a half. It'll start at about 7 o'clock local time. I know I said earlier, I think I said 6 o'clock. Uh, I was wrong. It was uh, it's going to be 7 o'clock local time. But anyway, um, there have already been some very interesting trades, and there are going to be a lot more interesting trades uh, today. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be totally surprised if the Kyrie Irving trade happened today. Uh, I touched on this earlier on how, you know, because I talked about Christian Brown possibly being a fit for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and how Kyrie Irving is, he could quite possibly uh, be traded to the Lakers. So uh, don't be surprised if that trade happens tonight. If it doesn't, don't be surprised on that either. Um, The Lakers were able to get into the draft. Before today, they did not even have a pick and they uh, we're working their hardest to try to move into the draft. They were able to get the 35th pick, got that from the Orlando Magic in exchange for, I believe it was the 2028 second round pick and some cash considerations as well. Uh, some trades that happened uh, prior to today, some earlier on, this was probably the biggest, that being Jeremy Grant uh, being traded to the Portland Trailblazers along with the 46th overall pick going to Portland. Portland does have the seventh pick overall on the draft board, but they added another in the 46. The Detroit Pistons already have the fifth overall pick, uh, but they did get the 36th overall plus a first and second round pick in 2025. One uh, headline that I found out is that the trade, uh, the Trailblazers are also trying to get OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors, try to get him traded to Portland. Now, I know Portland for a while, they've had their issues. And they have one of the best point guards in the league, one of the best shooters in the league, without a doubt, Damian Lillard. But it's been hard for the Trailblazers to even have a decent team except for, or decent players except for Damian Lillard, in some cases, CJ McCollum, but he's not, I don't think he's on the Trailblazers anymore. I think he got traded. But anyway. Um, with getting Jeremy Grant and OG Ananobi, could the Trailblazers, uh, possibly OG Ananobi, could the Trailblazers finally beat Elite and could Damian Lillard finally have a shot at the NBA Finals? Honestly, with those two, I'm not sure. It kind of just will depend on the draft picks that they get tonight. Again, uh, Trailblazers have number seven overall and at number 46 as well, which they got today. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Dallas Mavericks received Christian Wood, and in exchange, the Houston Rockets got the 26th pick, Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris. That's four players and a first-round pick for one player, which it makes you feel very valued. And I know Christian Wood's starting to become pretty darn good, um, but I th- and I think this was a good get for uh, for the Mavericks. But it's going to be kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, the mindset with Christian and, and the same kind of goes with Jeremy Grant because being traded along with a pick to get uh, just for, he gets traded for three picks kind of feels like you got traded for 
two sub sandwiches and a side of chips. That's basically kind of what it feels like to you. Because if you trade a player for a player, then fine. But if you trade a player for three picks, it kind of feels like you got traded for something very small, especially when uh, two of those picks are second round picks. Anyway, um, no doubt the main focus for today, uh, who will be the number one overall pick? Paolo Bancaro is in there a little bit, but it's kind of taper off for now, but it's between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. Uh, Jabari Smith being the star uh, power forward uh, from Auburn. And then Chet Holmgren making his name as the seven foot tall and uh, 195 pound big man uh, from Gonzaga. In my opinion, it's going to be Jabari Smith, number one, Chet Holmgren, number two, Paolo Bancaro, number three. And I think a lot of people would agree. Um, there are some mock draft boards that are putting Jaden Ivey possibly at the number three spot, uh, but I think it's going to be Paolo Bancaro. Uh, the other, the other storyline is basically just about Chet Holmgren. The thing is with Chet, if you've never seen him before, he's tall and very lanky, seven feet tall, 195 pounds. I mean, if you think about Yudoka Azabuki, he was seven feet tall and around 250 pounds. He was big. He had a lot of muscle. Now compare that to seven feet tall, 195. And basically to a lot of teams, they've said, you know, you need, you need to, you need to build up some more strength. And he says, I promise I'm, I am eating and I promise I am lifting weights. I think he is starting to get stronger, but basically the versatility, the versatility of Chet Holmgren and the finesse that he has as a seven foot guy kind of questions if he is the next quote-unquote unicorn in the M in the uh, NBA. Like I said, he needs to develop more strength. He is a good finisher and a terrific shooter for a seven-foot guy. And he's drawing comparisons to Kristaps Porzingis, who now plays... Does he still play for the Mavericks? I think so. Um, I totally forget. But he was drafted to the New York Knicks. Uh, and the, we saw the meme when he got drafted. I think it was like 24. 15 or something like that of the kid crying that why would we get this guy but he turned out to actually be pretty decent um but right now they have Chet Holmgren going number two overall to the Oklahoma City Thunder a team that really needs a big man and definitely comfortable with uh with getting that guy and you could kind of say the same thing if Javari Smith falls to number two but I think more than anything Oklahoma City needs that big guy and I, I say that as I already talked about how teams need to get the best player possible uh, instead of just going for team needs. So those are some of the storylines to look after. NBA draft tonight, 7 o'clock local time. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially to see where Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown line up in the NBA draft. I have the RCST replay coming up after this break. This is Lane Gillespie with Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it.